So really, what can you do with your hands? If you have a hands-on task, building together a chair uh, from IKEA or other furniture, uh, and then really get feedback immediately through an AR application, this really can reduce your cognitive load, but not only reduces your cognitive load, but also engages the essential load or a generative load that is necessary to really engage in a deep manner with the learning task. The Digital to Learn podcast is dedicated to exploring both what's new and what's good in the use of technology in teaching and learning. Our mission is to have the best minds sitting in front of our microphones, sharing evidence-based strategies for digital teaching and learning. Digital to Learn is brought to you by the Center for Learning and Innovation at Indiana Wesleyan University. Thank you for joining us. And now, the Digital to Learn podcast. Welcome to the Digital to Learn podcast. I'm Tiffany Snyder, and I'm here with guest co-host today, Mike Jones. Hey, Mike. Hey, Tiffany. So excited to talk with our guest today. Thank you. Yeah, I'm so excited too, and uh, I really owe it to you for bringing this guest to us on digital to learn Today, we're featuring Yosef Bukna. Dr. Yosef Bukna is a former teacher for history, psychology, philosophy, and information communication technologies in secondary schools in Austria. Yosef is currently immersed in researching how learning works, especially how to design effective and engaging learning environments with contemporary technologies like AR and VR. Additionally, Yosef explores how to prepare teachers to use technologies in their classroom to help learners learn. We are so excited to welcome to the podcast today, Dr. Yosef Bukna. Welcome, Yosef. Hi, very excited to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Yeah, you're welcome. You know, when Mike first told me about you and your work, he was talking about digital escape rooms, which we'll talk about in a little bit here on the show. But as I told you before we started the recording, when I started looking into your research, there was so much there that I kind of got lost a bit and forgot to even include digital escape rooms on our discussion guide for today. So we've since thrown that back in the mix and are so excited for all the research you've done that we have a chance to talk about today. Really glad you're here. On this podcast, we always open with some um, light get to know you questions and Mike's going to kick us off with those. Absolutely. So Tiffany mentioned that we started with digital escape rooms and my wife and I are big fans of escape rooms, the physical ones. We're going to do my first virtual one here in about three weeks, but that leads us into this first question. So outside of escape rooms, what do you do for fun? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, but also like escaping the room in my free time. And my wife is a primary school teacher and she loves to design escape rooms, escape games for her students. So this is our hobby together. And we have another one. I'm a proud father now since nine oh. months. Uh, so I enjoy spending time with my son and with my wife. And I'm a beach volleyball player. I really love playing volleyball and beach volleyball. And now here is summer in Essen, Germany and beautiful weather. So I'm pretty sure we'll go out today after our podcast session and play some balls. Oh my. That's love awesome. That. I was going to say, do you set, do you hit, what do you do? But I guess if you're playing beach volleyball, you probably do it all, right? <laughs> That's how it yeah. goes. Those positions rotate for sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm left-handed, so um, yeah. Ooh, danger. This is really cool. Um, Ace is really dangerous for the opponents, uh, and they don't love to play against me. Yeah, this is a strength. Yeah. You're smiling so big as you say that people don't enjoy playing against you. I don't know how to feel about that. I certainly already don't want to play against. <laughs> no mercy. <laughs> no, that's awesome. No mercy. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And sport is such a good thing uh, if you are a researcher, if you're a teacher, if you're doing a job where you need a lot of mental load or mental power, then just go out, uh, have some fun with friends, play some sports. I think it's so important for us to do such things. Yeah. It is true. You know, sometimes not just because of stress, but because of the excitement of these podcasts, I've been known to take a walk around the block as soon as they're over because guests like you give us so much to think about. I need a moment before we get into the daily grind of emails and things. So I understand that. Good strategy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We wanted to ask you, what's a new or, or merely advanced technology, one that's changing or evolving that excites you the most? Yeah, I think it's also visible in my research studies. In 2016, I really got excited from Pokemon Go. It, it really came on my mind and was fascinated by the idea, walking around here again, going outside, being in the nature, but also use uh, digital technology to enhance or augment uh, the reality with uh, virtual or digital objects. And so I was thinking about In these days, I was a teacher in in Vienna and thought about, okay, how can I use this technology also in my class to engage my students in effective and engaging and learning and also to move them around. So for me, all technologies that allow me to move and to give me more freedom, for example, using my hands, like in virtual reality applications, this really excites me. Technologies that allow me to do something with my hands, to walk with my feet or, or go out and allow me to extend my own reality with other digital objects. One thing I find you know fascinating about your answer is sometimes I interact with parents or even professors who perhaps hold a fear that as augmented reality and virtual reality become more common or even as technology advances that students and learners may be less active and more apt to be, you know, staring at a device or not going outside, not being in nature, not moving around. And it's so ironic because both you and some previous guests that we've had are some of our most active guests who really value and appreciate both worlds. And so it's really nice to hear your perspective that our technology is not, you know, trading in the things we love most about nature and movement, but actually an opportunity to enhance those very things. I also think it's our responsibility to provide good designs, maybe a good learning designs, how you can use this technology to be outside or to move. And maybe one thing to add, uh, an important thing here is, yeah, we have to say goodbye to this thinking of black and white, saying that, yeah, we live in an analog or digital world, in a world where we are all digitally connected. So there is no black and white thinking anymore. We have to think all these materials, all these media, all these technologies uh, together. Maybe... Therefore, also mixed reality is a wonderful term. Maybe everything we do here is mixed reality. We are now in a video conferencing tune. We are recording sound. I'm in Germany, you are in the States. So what is another good example for how can technology connect people? So true. So true. I totally agree with what you're saying there too. It's like, I think we live in a mixed reality and we don't even realize it all day, whether we're watching TV or talking on our phone. And most of us are on our phone, right? We're playing a game to drain our brain or, and we're forgetting that physical activity side of the academic life and to keep our minds sharp. We need that physical activity, like playing volleyball, doing things in the real world. It's just so much easier to sit and scroll on our phone than it is to go put our gym clothes on and go get sweaty. And then we have it in a shower. You know, we think of that as an inconvenience now, but wow, it does mean so much for the way that our bodies and our brains work. So I appreciate you bringing that up. Now, speaking of Our next question here is a little more academic. 
and tone. Tell us more about your doctoral thesis. Yeah, um, I'm a doctor now since two months, so it's oh, really fresh wow. for me to be a doctor. But it's, it's congratulations! Great. Um, you know, thank yes, you. Yeah. And yeah, in my doctoral thesis, I really tried to, to combine the things I said in the introduction. Yeah. Augmented reality, also playful learning, like in the Pokemon Go. And here it was a focus on escape games. So I investigated how you can learn with a freely available augmented reality escape room game about fake news. It's also available in the English language. So really recommend all our listeners here uh, check out escapefake.org and download all the materials the app is also for free and then you can play the game it's, it's great and the second thing was also that i'm interested in movements and so i investigated if playing this escape room game when seated or when moving around if there is a difference in in learning and also in immersive experience and in fact, I can tell you here that I did uh, three experimental studies in my doctoral thesis on this game and uh, different instructional variations, what it's called. So different instructional materials provided together with the escape room game. And first of all, I can say that in all three studies, the game turned out to be really effective and engaging in terms of immersive experience for the learners. So the students, we are talking here, students between 13 and 18 years of age. So they get better in knowledge about fake news. It's so an important topic or fake news, fighting fake news was the main topic. And so they get a lot of knowledge about looking out in the internet. They also did some application tests where they get social media postings and had to say if they are true or not, or if this is fake news and they get better after playing the game. And I also investigated if I can address attitudes when this game is played. In my case, attitudes was defined as critical thinking, critical thinking about online information that the students find in social media networks. And what we can see is that after playing the augmented reality escape game, they are more critical about online information. And uh, for me, this is maybe the most important result of this thesis, because I think this is necessary that students also adults all our people here on the earth should be very very careful when they see online information and should check the information with other websites or other home pages and so yeah this was my doctoral thesis but it was just a start because now i i keep going and i want to do more research about the game it's called escape fake the game is called escape fake and it is free so really everybody can use it it's also available in english a recommendation for everyone who's interested in fighting fake news, I think. What was the thing that kind of keyed off your interest in this type of technology? And I don't mean to jump ahead, Tiffany, but just as we're on the topic, where did it come from in your life? Um, yeah, I think I was always looking for um, new ideas of teaching and engage or helping my students to learn and also thinking about my students as human beings that are outside of the classroom, you know, they are not just students, but they're also outside of the classroom. They're interacting with a world that is full of smartphones. So at my beginning years in Vienna as a teacher, they all had a smartphone and, and nobody uses it in school. So I said to myself, okay, let's try how you can use it. And then I came to augmented reality because I think it's really a technology that is easier to access like other technologies. For example, like virtual reality because then you need the glasses or something like that. But with AR, it's, it's really, you just need uh, paper-based materials like in this escape fake game. You put the paper-based sheets on walls or on the ground 
you open the app on your smartphone or on your tablet computer, of course, you scan the marker and then you see the additional information. And every room can turn into another room, into another world. Uh, and you can interact with all the additional objects that are in this world. Yeah, I think this is what really motivates me to help my students learn and maybe also do, yeah, to give them sometimes classroom experience, I would say. Yeah, because also my motivation was maybe some of the students go outside the school afterwards and say, okay, now I want to design AR applications for education, maybe, or also to help other things. AR is such a cool technology where you can do so much. So this was also in my mind, to really fascinate them for a technology that needs motivated people that do more with this technology. And I think that it's good when teachers use the technology also in the classroom, not just talking about, but also using it and doing what we want to motivate the students for. I think it's safe to say we're moving beyond the get to know you questions because Mike and I are both sitting here like bouncing around, ready to ask that next follow-up question, going right to the content there. So for transitional purposes, we're moving right into research here. Yes. One question that comes to mind for me with the studies, I know you were working with learners roughly ages 13 through 18. Did you do any research on or have any ideas about what it would be like to replicate something like this for adult learners or non-traditional learners? How well do you think something like this could fit with that population? Yeah, we did one study with pre-service teachers at the University in Graz in Austria with my colleague Elke Höfler. I think they are between 23 to maybe 31, 32, but the study is not published yet. I hope that it will be published very soon, but you all know the review process needs some time. So I'm still waiting for this piece to coming out. But yeah, we tested the escape fake game also with these learners, with adult learners. And the first interesting thing that we found is that the transfer task or the application task. So identifying if the postings of social media are true or wrong, there we saw no effect. So the pre-service teachers were very good at this before the intervention. But when it comes to knowledge and when it comes to attitudes, again, we found this effect. So one conclusion of this research would be uh, maybe adults are already good in differentiating between fake news and true information. Or, and here there's more the research perspective, our instruments may be weak. So it would be better to develop new instruments and to do the research, of course, again. Yeah. So as a researcher, you also notice it's always important to develop new instruments to, yeah, to survey variable of interest. So I think we can develop new materials, new postings that are harder, that are also hard for adult learners. And maybe then we can find an effect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the second interesting finding that I really want to report here is in the escape fake game, there is a pedagogical agent, Hannah Lee May, and she helps the learners with the quizzes. Yeah? And from theoretical perspective, this Hannah Lee May is very important that the learners don't get the cognitive overload. And for the younger learners, in my PhD thesis, this was true. So Hannah Lee May was very helpful, <laughs> but the pre-service teachers told us in our mixed method studies, so we also interviewed the teachers after the game, after playing the game, and they say to us, oh my God, Hannah is not helpful. I always try to turn her off. I want to do it on my own. I don't need this help. I want just to play this game and to find it out on my own. 
So it was too much guidance for adult learners. So maybe we have to keep into, into, into our minds when we use such games with adult learners. Oh, this is so fascinating. That is really interesting. Yeah. But more wow. research is, of course, necessary in this case. But this is one study and one case I can describe here, yeah, and which is still not published. But yeah. I'm going to start tallying how many neighborhood laps I have to take after this, this <laughs> recording <laughs> to think about. There's one. <laughs> yeah. It makes me wonder about, is it arrogance on the part of an adult learner that we don't need our hand held, you know, or is it just that we've got a little more wisdom? You're right. We need new instruments because measuring pedagogical versus andragogical learning, I think does take different instruments. But as I'm thinking about designing virtual spaces for our learners in adult education, it's like reading some of your notes about, okay, well, I was going to do it this way, but I need to just simplify it. Just keep what's important, important. It doesn't need to be a decorative room that they're in. It could just be blank walls, but the thing they have to do needs to be engaging and instructive. When you're designing, thinking about that cognitive lobe aspect, what'd you run into? Is it different between the two learners? I would not differentiate between adult and younger learners. I would differentiate between prior knowledge or prior experience. Oh, and yeah. I, ah. I really would say that these adult learners, as we can see in the results of the application task, they have more experience in the field, maybe of fake news. They knew more. Okay, there was not so much knowledge that they get better at the post-test in our study. But maybe I have to look at the pre-test studies and they already had a good knowledge. And uh, mm. if you have higher knowledge, then you don't need so much instructional guidance. This is uh, one finding of cognitive load fear, also of cognitive theory of multimedia learning, and of course of other theories that prior knowledge is so important. And also prior experience, maybe with game-based learning and especially with escape rooms. We also had one or two of these pre-service teachers that were also telling us that for them, Hannah Lee May was wonderful and she was necessary because they had no experience with escape room and they do not know what to do with the hammer. They were not aware that they can smash a vase with the hammer to find a key or something like this. So for them, this was good. This, this is always when we do a qualitative study, of course, or that we have uh, some say that, some say that. But in this case, I can really say that more of the pre-service teachers said that Hannah Lee May was too much guidance. So when I prepare designs or learning environments for adult learners, I would also always have a look at their prior experience on their prior knowledge. And when they are experienced learners, then of course I would reduce the guidance they need. This is a little bit problematic with the escape fake game because this is a already finished game. Yeah. You have not the possibility to turn or to switch Hanali May off. But maybe yeah. we can ask the developers if this would be possible in the future version of the game. Yeah. Yeah. It would be interesting. It's also an interesting research question. Yeah. So as listeners think about incorporating something like a digital escape room or another form of AR or VR in their learning environments, whether it's a traditional learning environment or where we serve, it's an online learning environment. So regardless, though, we've heard from your studies that there's a framework out there for how to begin to think about how to incorporate AR and VR into the learning world. And we're wondering if you could kind of expand on that 
as we wrestle with how to make these decisions about where does AR and VR fit? Yeah, of course. Um, we have a lot of, let's say, industry or industrial leaders out there that are saying that AR and VR is revolutionizing education. Or we always have this. We also have seen this with the Khan videos and all that stuff. And my perspective is more from learning design and technology or from an instructional design perspective. And here for me, really, it is clear that AR, VR, escape games are good resources for education. There is no doubt on this. We can use these things to make good education, to make effective and engaging instruction, what, what Merrill always puts, or effective and engaging. So effective in terms of we learn more, but engaging that we also enjoy learning. Or Paul Kirchner is saying joyful learning, but I also really like that you really say learning is effective, but I also enjoy what I do. And at the end, these are two instructional aims or goals that I think we, we should really reach. And one thing is clear, when we use AR, escape games, or virtual reality, Students, also adult learners, teachers will always enjoy this technology. They like the technology, it's new for them, so it really gives them motivation or interest in doing something new. But also to be effective, it is important to not overestimate, I think this is a good word for it, technology-centered idea of learning. So saying that we are just using AR and then learning gets better. So, but I think we really should think from a learner perspective, like we talked before, talking about prior knowledge or prior experience, and then we design learning according to this. So for AR and VR, what we can see is that especially virtual reality allows us to free our hands up. So why are we designing virtual reality learning environments where a lecturer talks about something? For me, this is not a good virtual reality learning environment. <laughs> a good virtual reality learning environment is one where you can train competencies, where you can handle things, where you can experiment with objects, yeah? where, you, where you can manipulate objects to explore hypotheses that you have stated before you are in the virtual reality. Similar with augmented reality. Augmented reality allows us to give immediate feedback if you are proceeding a, a task. We did a systematic review about that, and we can really see in this systematic review that for the promotion of declarative knowledge, so facts or AR is good, okay, we can use it. But the question is, is it really necessary? But when it comes to procedural knowledge, so really, what can you do with your hands? If you have a hands-on task, building together a chair uh, from Ikea or other furniture, uh, and then really get feedback immediately through an AR application, this really can reduce your cognitive load, but not only reduces your cognitive load, but also engages the essential load or a generative load that is necessary to really engage in a deep manner with the learning task. So I think these are use cases that we need more. And I'm very critical that this has already been done in a good way in the international literature. And that's why I say here loud, we need more research in this field, but we need more proper research, really saying we designed this AR application because we have an educational problem. The problem that students don't get feedback after operating with some mathematical tasks. But when they use the AR application, 
then they get feedback. And if they need help, they also get some steps how to solve maybe a mathematical problem or think about another of, of instruction, of course. And I really think that there, here is a lot of potential. And with escape games, uh, maybe as a last sentence, escape games are really good in fostering a team building or, or giving an experience to really work together as a team, providing an authentic learning environment. For example, when you are in medical education, think about time. Yeah? There are always situations where you have some time pressure and an escape room can really simulate this time pressure. On the other hand, this time pressure is not good when it comes to the learning of declarative knowledge, as for example, Alice Feldkamp has shown in, in some studies. She's also a very, very interesting researcher in the field of escape games. That's awesome. We've been given a lot to think about, but this is that part in the show where we have to stop and come back next week for part two. So you can access resources for today's episode on our website, digitaltolearn.com with numerical two. You can also follow us if you don't already on our social media. We have Twitter, we have LinkedIn, we have Facebook, and that's digital to learn again with numerical two. We hope to connect with you again next week. See you then. Thank you for joining us on digital to learn. If you enjoyed this podcast, there are three things we ask you to do. One, come back and join us again. Two, tell your friends about us. And three, give us a positive ranking on your favorite podcast platform. Digital to Learn is brought to you by the Center for Learning and Innovation at Indiana Wesleyan University. Embrace the future. Always keep learning.